Good morning, blessings. I'm thankful, humble, and I can see God's blessings to give me the opportunity to uh, sub for John while he's away. Um, we'll be taking a sidetrack from the Luke, and we're going to study Acts together on chapter 5. And so uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to honor your name. Your name is the most highest, most beautiful, and powerful. We also see that uh, Jesus has loved us so much that um, he came and died for our sins and gave us the hope for tomorrow. And we know that our sins are forgiven. And we also thank the Holy Spirit of living around us, within us, and help us to be able to stand on our feet, look at tomorrow, face all the challenges in front of us. And we just like to offer our prayer to you that we respond well to your words, that we will be living a, um, a life worth of Making, uh, matching up to our sonship, heirship of your people. And we hope that we can glorify you, but at the same time, if we fail, we ask that the Holy Spirit will remind us that we will be coming to you for your grace and forgiveness and be on our feet again on the next day. Be with us today over here as well as with John and the congregation at Paloma that we all worship you in one true heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, lately I watch a um, couple YouTubes uh, to, to, in preparation for the uh, sermon today. And I watched the YouTubes on uh, a church in Houston, Lakewood. Uh, is it Lakewood? Yes, Lakewood Church. And um, who, uh, whose uh, pastor was, um, if you know, uh, Joel Osteen. And a lot of people would talk about, hey, Lakewood is like a, a prosperity church, uh, gospel church. And I'm interested to find out what's going on. Um, to be honest, uh, he's not my type, or let, let's put it this way, uh, I don't condone about preaching more on people's needs than on God himself. So I wanted to show you how they usually start their... Um, Is it going? You see, this is how they start their how they start their worship. It's like chanting. It's just like chanting about who, how wonderful you are, and all that. So this is not anything that I like to start our worship to. And what we what we started with worship at first was we 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 sing. We also read read the um, uh, catechism. I think those are more, much more important than what they are reciting. It's almost like and at, the, at their chanting, at the end of the chanting, that he says that uh, in Jesus' name, and sounds like it's a prayer, but then if the prayer is all concentrated on, um, on yourself, I don't think this is the right way. So he spends so much time, uh, when I um, watched the YouTube, I found out that um, he did a lot of um, encouragement, which is good, positive thinking, and thinking that uh, one, one way or the other, quote-unquote, one way or the other, all, all our challenges will pass, we will win, and God will win on your behalf, and all that. So that's not something that I like. And this is what he said when CBN, a Christian network um, uh, interview, asked him and say, hey, how come you didn't spend so much time on sin? 
or devil on hell. This is what he said. When I grew up, the devil was the reason why I had a headache or the devil was the reason I got mad today. We always blame the devil. I think today when I say the enemy, I like to make it border. Sometimes the enemy can be our own thoughts. We trained ourselves the wrong way. Or the enemy can be our own lack of discipline. Some people rich about hell like you're already going there. And to me, the gospel means good news. That's what he said. I'd rather say God is a God of mercy, so I think the people already know what they're doing wrong. And I can't, sorry, and I can certainly believe in hell. But to me, when I see thousands of people before me, it just doesn't come out of me to say, you guys are terrible and you're going to hell. I'd rather say that God is a God of mercy. You've got to live an obedient life, but for every mistake you've made, there's mercy there, and I believe we can do better. I think I can only agree with the last sentence. This is the, his rationale, and this is how they do it. I strongly believe that prosperity gospel preachers are putting the emphasis incorrectly. And again, catechism, however it sounds old-fashioned or how, so long ago, is it still up to, up to where, where we are in the, in the 2022 era? Uh, maybe it doesn't sound right, but I certainly put my life on it. I trust it. So we will evaluate a little bit more about prosperity um, gospel in a minute. Today, we are going to um, work on the passage. And before we jump in, I'd like to uh, remind you that in Acts, after Jesus has resurrected and, and ascended into the heaven, the disciples were still, well, I'm sorry, uh, I, I take it back. After he was crucified, he, after he was crucified, the apostles or, or the disciples were frightened and scared. They hid themselves in a house or in houses because they are not certain still at that time. They were not certain about who Jesus was. Is he really the son of God? Can I trust him? Can I, can I, can I be sure that we can win in life, that we can be with God at the end of their lives? Yet, by the time Jesus appeared to them, resurrected and appeared to them, and then later on with the gift of the Holy Spirit at the Pentecostal, they gain so much confidence. They know well. They, they know how to spend their lives. They know how to invest the time. And at that time, the whole community is changed. People are listening because they are so bold and go out and tell people about Jesus. So people are also encouraged. They also accepted the faith and follow Jesus. And that, over that time, all the, all the, the Christians, at that time, they called Christians, all the Christians gather together, they share their, their life, they, they, they share the properties and enjoy it together, and they worship God every day together. Obviously, the number of believers grow exponentially. And guess what happened? The Dan elders, the Dan uh, um, religious leaders, they were not happy. Why? They had been before. They had been all the, you know, people go to them, people respect them, they ask them, they listen to them. But now it turns around and people are going after the apostles. They were talking about the Jesus that they do, they do not know personally, that they don't want to know, because they already have all the esteem or the social and religious status that they, they already in. Why would I need a, another person? Why would they, these people go around them and not us? Jealousies built. So much that they have actually put uh, Peter and John into, into the jail. But then 
Well, they can do what they could because they have the power, but they could not win people's heart. They could not do something that is out of their power still because they could not prove. They could not put a, a, a name of the crime to them and sentence them to anything. So even though Peter and John were put in the jail for a day, the next day they were let go, and all they could do is just say, warn them and say, no, stop that, stop that, don't do that anymore. That's all they could do. So now, after that incident, the apostle keep on spreading the words and talking about Jesus. And people keep coming to be believers. And they have even prayed. They knew that. The apostle knew that. Knew that they would be in trouble one day, very soon. But they pray and pray and ask God to give them the boldness. And they did. And they did continue. Then it comes to this passage that we're going to read. I'm going to read a few verses one uh, at a time, and then I'm going to go through them, okay? Verse 17 to 21. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and, and filled with jealousies. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the, night, during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the temple, speak to the people all the words of his life. So again, the elders or the then religious leaders did the very same thing like last time. They put them in jail. Um, but again, they only had only the religious power and the social power. They still need to put them in a formal trial in order to do something on them because they are still un under the government, uh, Roman government. So I can see that jealousies build in these um, leaders' hearts. They are almost beyond their control. That led me to think about what I was before. Um, back, I remember back in uh, college years, when I first joined a particular fellowship, I was uh, pretty welcome. I didn't play that well, but I played guitar and sang. Um, but then still, at that time, the fellowship doesn't have too many people who can play guitar, and I became the best guitarist at that time. So I was famous. Welcome. So I was happy. A few months later, a young fellow came, and he joined the fellowship, and he sang better, and he played better. And little did I know that jealousy came into my heart. I didn't know that. But gradually, I actually have some resentment about him, and which I didn't know why, until much later that the Holy Spirit actually warned me and says, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to holding up to your status and you're going to be having the hatred or resentment against this fellow. So I thank God that I was able to know, to find out what's going on. And at the end, I did. I did, by God's grace, I was able to apologize to him. I apologized to him. And, well, God is gracious. Not only I earned back a brother, He's one of my buddies, but my best friends today, to, to this day from college. So I, I thank God for that. But how many times do we, sort, do we resort to anger, to hate, to je jealousy? How many times have we done that? And also, we will also see that even if, even if, if we give the benefit of doubt to the leaders that they think, oh, that Jesus that they claim to be was not right. Our message is the best, even though, even though, if that is the case, I don't think we sought to violent because they, well, later on you will see the violence. We sought to violence or we sought to some uh, opposing 
um, uh, force to, to people, that never, never be a good solution. Remember we spoke about, I just spoke about at first, that John and Peter were being put into jail in Acts 4. Now it comes Acts 5, when we just read it, there are actually all 12 apostles in the jail. All of them are in the jail now. Okay, let's read on. Oh, I, I missed one, one thing. I want to go back. Words of his life. What is the words of his life? In Acts, Paul mentions something. In Acts 13.26, that's what Paul says. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. When they asked to speak, when the apostle was asked by the angel to speak, the words of life, I think this is a pretty good paraphrase, is the message of this salvation. When they heard this, 21, when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council or the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Uh, well, uh, let's skip that. Have them brought, continue. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard those words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. Well, we can see that the men are free, the apostles were free, they went out. And when the high priest who, and, and it talks about this, the, the, um, the whole senate, the council, that's actually talking about, about 70 persons council, the whole Sanhedrin meaning they took it very seriously, that they wanted to really nail them into some kind of crime, give them some kind of sentence that hold them back and stop their, all the acts. They are very serious about doing so. And the Sanhedrin, by the way, when I spoke about the seven people, the Sanhedrin made out of the priest, the chief priest, a lot of Sadducees and Pharisees, and maybe some scribes. Uh, that one, I'm not sure. But with all the made-up, even though they have given, you know, they, they, don't, they don't quite necessarily agree to each other, just, just like today. We have the Senate, we have the, the Assembly, uh, you know, or, or the Councilmen. They, they don't necessarily agree to each other. But, but be that as it may, looks like they are able to gather the Sanhedrin together, and trying to nail the apostles. Now, it's interesting that when they found out, wait a minute, what did you say? You don't find them in the, in the prison? Where did they go? What would a normal person, if you and I were there, what would you think first? If that's happening, what would you think first? I think for me, naturally, I would say, what happened? What happened? Get them. Naturally. But that's not what is recorded in the Bible. In the, in the Bible, it says they were greatly perplexed about them 
wondering what this would come to. What this would come to? What does that mean? That means they know that there will be some consequence. The consequence of the, the prisoners being escaped, they don't care why, how, they don't know, they don't care. But they are, what they are concerned is, what is the consequence of that? If the prisoner went out, and if the people who are Jewish mostly knew that they went out really miraculously, miraculously, that no one can tell what happened, what would that bring up to? Will the, will the crowd, will the people be more believing to the message that the apostles are giving? Or are they going to be overruling, hey, come on, you guys, you leaders are like nothing. You, you cannot do anything. You not, cannot keep people in the prison. And what you are preaching before ever, I don't want to believe. I don't want to follow you anymore. So again, another evidence of their jealousies. Okay. Now, let's look at what came next. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the, cap the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. <laughs> it's kind of humorous, right? They were possibly in the whole, almost like a hall of justice, Supreme Court, 70 people inside, and they are thinking, talking to each other, hey, what do we do, what do we do? We're going to do something, or we're going to lose our powers and all that, and all of a sudden someone came in and said, hey, listen, listen, listen. Those people who were kept in jail yesterday, they are out in the open. They went back into the, into the, um, by the temple to teach. Whoa. That blew my mind. How, if you were the apostles, you were being kept in the jail because of what you have done, even though, however um, uh, um, responsive they are, obedience they are to God, but they are facing with that all the suppression, all the, all the, all, 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 all the imprisonment, and, and with that. And then... Luckily, luckily, I can go out. Where would you go? Where would you go? Well, actually, I, when I read the text a little bit more, no, 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 no. I would not go anywhere. I would also go to the market. Why? Because the angel says, what did the angel say? Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the worst of this life. It's imperative. The angel actually told them something is almost like a command. Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people. I remember, or you probably also remember Psalms number one. Blessed are those who do not uh, do not walk, do not stand, do not sit in the council of the wicked. I suppose you and I will also do that. When we hear the words, when we hear the command, I think we will do that too. But today, we are not so, should I say, Blessed, or we are so um, that we can see an angel speaking directly to us, but we are still blessed because we have the Bible. We can certainly see all God's commands, all God's desires, His will in the Bible. We still can hear from them, we still can respond to all the imperatives. 
Now, this is very interesting. When the people or when the uh, leaders knew that uh, they were there, what do they do? Well, the apostles were in the temple. What did they do? They went and get them, but not by force. Why? Because they are feared. They knew that they are the, the, the people, the Jewish, already knew what these apostles were teaching was the truth. They knew that they were with they were with the apostles. And if they got them by force, what will happen? They will be being stoned. They know that. So they didn't want to do that. Next. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? What can they do? They could only be more furious. They could only be more forceful and ask, why did you do that? I told you not to do that. Remember John and Peter were kept there and they warned them and they asked them not to do that anymore. And they were referring, hey, I already told you so. Why are you doing that? And you actually spread the words all through this in Jerusalem. But notice one thing. The, the, the priest did not mention the name of Jesus. He didn't dare to even say that. But I don't know whether, it's, whether they have the courage of saying or there was something that is revealing more about their faith. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they were afraid Jesus' name has power. Or Jesus himself has power. Even though he was already dead, crucified, they don't, they don't agree that he resurrected, of course. But they knew that they, he already died. And if he died, he will be, what, a spirit, ghost, whatnot. And they probably are afraid that if he even named him or whatnot, he is going to go after them. That could be one possible reason. But another reason is they just hate him. Hate him so much. How many times when you hate someone, you just say, hey, so-and-so is coming, rather than Fanny is coming. <laughs> right? When you, are, uh, when you are mad with someone, you don't want to talk about him or her. You don't want to name him or her. So this is the case. Now, that is something that I'm, those are all something that we can think, maybe, maybe, maybe. But there is something where we are very certain. So certain is that they are forgetful. Why? Because they were saying, you are intending to bring his blood onto us? No, 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 no. That's not right. It is not the apostles who intend to do so. They asked for it themselves. In Matthew 27, so when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, we're talking about Pilate um, sitting in, in the trial on Jesus, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scolded Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. How clear is it? How long ago that happened? Not too long ago. I guess, if not all, most of the 70 people in the courtyard that day with the, in front of the 12 apostles, most of them were at 
the courtyard when Jesus was found. They knew. They said themselves, His blood be on us and on our children. This is what happened that day, those days. What happened today? We're still facing a lot of suppression. Well, yes, we live in a society where the government is there, is in place to help us keep the crime down, um, keep uh, the economy good, all that. But there are also a lot of rules that really restrict us so much. We cannot, or a lot of places, yes, I'm so proud of those that who can stand, stand up straight and talk to our co-workers about Jesus, share our lives. But there are some that who could not because the, the, the corporate world or certain company has very, a lot of restrictions and say, don't talk about religion. We are almost restricted so much that evangelism is only good for within the church building. We cannot do anything outside of. It's our Lord. Uh, it's our it's our prayer that the Lord teaches how to be innocent as doves, but as wise as serpents. Let's see what's going on after. But Peter and the apostles answered. We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You have not read chapter 4 of Acts, but basically... Peter is responding, repeating the same thing. We must obey God rather than man. That's, that's all his statement. That's all his stand. Then he said, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. How many words are there? He summarizes the, the gospel. He summarizes the gospel. Of course, the recipient or, or the, the Sanhedrin, they already know who Jehovah is. They, a lot of them are God-fear, but they just don't, don't agree or don't believe in Jesus. But Peter here, just with how many words? A couple of sentences. He already summarizes the gospel. John always reminds us to, be, to live a life of paps, right? Christian living, paps Christian living. We pray for our, the unsaved. We ask the question. We want to know what's going on in their lives. We want to bless them with everything that we could. We also share our lives and tell or teach the gospel. Well, my challenge, number one, or not number one, one of my challenges is how to summarize the gospel, how to speak into their hearts, into what, what their needs. We know, not necessarily know, but uh, that's our pep's life, right? When we ask them, we try to bless them. We probably know what their needs are, what their worries are, the challenges. But in order to present the gospel in a concrete way, that they can understand that to speak into their life is not something that you and I can easily do. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that actually did the work. We ask that again, we need to be as obedient or gentle as a dove, as wise as a serpent. Over here, it says that um, Peter says, or, or and the apostles, says they are the witness, and so is the Holy Spirit. Do we see the Holy Spirit there? I don't think so. Not in person. 
But we definitely see Holy Spirit working generations after generations to up to these days and only going forward as, as well. We can see people, Christians, believers, who's, who could witness, even though we did not have the physical eyewitness of Jesus being knelt or resurrected, appeared, we, we don't. But the Holy Spirit in us helped us witness that, just that. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put them outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with this man. For before these days, Tidars rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from this man and let them alone. For this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. When's the last time we went really, really, really mad, furious? Someone who cut in front of you and in the freeway, so tight, so close, it's almost caused an accident. Your house. Your car is being broken into. Nothing compared to these guys. They were furious that they wanted to kill them. They wanted to kill the apostles. I don't know how they said it. Did they actually say it out and say, kill them, kill them, and whatnot, execute them, whatnot? I don't know. But apparently, the, the, one of the councilmen, the Pharisee Gamaliel, spoke up. And apparently, he is also being respected because he could spoke up and also told the apostles, can you go out for a little bit? Excuse yourself for a little bit? Then he can address to the crowd. So apparently, he, he, got, he, got, he is respected. And he says that he's a teacher of the law. He's a Pharisee. And probably you know that Pharisee has a pretty good social status, religious status. As a matter of fact, this Gamaliel is the mentor of Paul. Paul was under his care. He learned a lot of stuff from him. Anyway, Gamaliel stood up and asked the apostles to be excused. And then he addressed to the crowd and said, Come on, don't worry about them. Don't worry. Why, why are we getting so furious? Just let them go. You see those two other rebels that happened around the era? They didn't last. The followers didn't last. That leader died and then they all scattered and that's it. Forget about them. This is what he was saying. I'm not going to go into detail or, or dig around about those two rebels, but if you are interested, you can go and find out yourself. Okay? But basically he was saying, hey, it, it is, if this plan, this undertaking is from people, it will fail. Don't worry about it. If it's from God, don't do anything. Because you are going to subject to God's, you know, anger, right? Maybe, maybe you're stepping on God's toes. That's what he was saying. 
Well, interesting enough. Who do you say? Who did we say Gamaliel is teaching of the law? Who do we say, say is among the council, the priest? And they didn't know. They didn't know if it is God's will or not. They are not sure. What is it telling us? What is it telling us? They really don't know, because they bought into Gamaliel's argument. Wait a minute! If we do something not according to God's will, we are in trouble. So, I'll talk about a little bit more about his argument later. Okay, but for the time being, at least for the time being, they gave up their original intention. They are not going to, or they are not going to kill them at this time. Even though later we know something, some more, way more happened. The second part, or the, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. The apostles got away again. Like I was mentioning uh, on chapter 4 of Acts, John and Peter got away. And this time they got away again. How wonderful. It's such a rosy picture, right? No. Why? Why is it not rosy? They got bitten. How bad is the beating? Some people will say, some commentator will say, well, it is the same as what Paul has endured before. Uh, not before, later. Uh, Paul says, I got the beatings of the 40 minus 1. That's about that one. Because there is the most 39 beatings to a person. Two times in the back, one times in the chest. And the whip being used so fierce that any wounds that left on your chest or on your back may take months to heal. It's so bad. They are enduring this kind of a beating. So is it easy to be let go? Not quite. But at least... They endured. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. I don't know how many, how many days they, the apostle takes to recover to be able to stand on the feet and go out and preach again. But one thing for sure, when they left, after the very, very serious beating, when they left, they already start rejoicing. They already start rejoicing of the beating. No, not just beating. But it's, they count the beating worthy to, they, they found themselves worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Matthew 13 says, Jesus says, Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be bidden in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witnesses before them. I believe they remember this verse. They remember Jesus' words. I believe they know that Jesus is so trustworthy. Jesus is his Lord. That they are willing to give up their lives. Likewise, on a different place, Uh, I forgot to put down where they came from. Sorry, 
I don't remember where they came from. But it's also in the, uh, in the Bible for sure, but I don't know which verse. I didn't put it down. I think it's in Mark. Mark 11. Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in the hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Again, speaking all those words by Peter and the apostles in front of the Sanhedrin, the 70-person council, it's not easy task. It's not easy. How are we able to, when you are being suppressed by someone at work, at your home, at your very home, you would be scared to, to say something that will even raise them more furious and cause them to be more furious. But by the Holy Spirit, we ask that it can be done. That's the, that's the, um, that's the passage that we have, seen, we have read. I see that there are a lot of contrasts, a big contrast of fear in the passage. The Sanhedrins, the whole 70 members, Sanhedrins, they have fear of the apostles, of the message, they fear of Jesus, they have fear of the, of the people who would be against them, and they have fear of God because they don't know him. Well, maybe I did something wrong. What did the apostle fear of? There's another word other than fear is reverence. Reference. Apostles stand revert in front of God. He, they gave God the, the sovereignty, honor his sovereignty. Yes, God's mighty power can do anything. They, God can take them out of all the dangers or the persecution, or the jail time, beating. God can do it. But they also, the apostles, also honor the sovereignty of God. That is God who wanted to show them when he will show them the power of release, and when is the power for endurance. When is the power to give up something that you think is so treasure. It could for our, for our days, maybe we make, take it a little easier. Our time. We sacrifice our time and then we will, you know, spend some time extra outside of work, outside of home and we spend time with someone and we want to care for them, we want to bless them. But over that time, at that time, they gave up their lives. All but one of the 12 apostles, at the end of their lives, they are all persecuted to death. Persecuted to death. So, I promised at first, says that I will talk about Gamaliel's claim. He said, if the plan or the undertaking of this is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. I think that's why I brought in the little video clip at first from um, the Liquid Church. Prosperity gospel, according to them, not me, it's not my words, their words. According to them, it's like, you are in trouble, you are hurt, you are facing a challenge, but you will succeed. You, this will go all be gone. God is on your side. You will win. 
Well, is that true? Is it true that all things that in under God's will will succeed or prosper? Have we seen a lot of missionaries who went to remote places and then the first day they step in and then he start proclaiming, people go around them and say hallelujah and became Christians? No! How many of them have already died before the community that he reached has become Christian? Or, for some cases, may never, may never be. Is that the message that we're going to see? On the other hand, is that everything from man is going to fail? I don't know about you, but I am very opposed to certain laws about, and the laws, I think, is definitely going against God's, God's will. Did it pass? It did. I think, as question, we really need to understand. We need to spend our time in the Bible and understand God's will. It's nothing secret it's as, long, as long as we, we spend our time. There's nothing quick. It's not something that I think, try to reason myself, and uh, I got it, yes, this is the way. No. Even Gamaliel or any other leaders over there, they didn't know because they probably did not spend time. Or not anymore. They probably did spend some time just like people going to college, right? We earn our degree. We have our degree, and then, then what? Years later, we forgot what we learned. Again, I just want to encourage each other that the catechism, however old it is, is something that we want to base our foundation in. And rather than the chanting, of the prosperity gospel church, like um, Liquid Church, who chants about, I'm blessed and uh, I'm good and all that. I want to end our message with the Nicene Creed.